Hello, beautiful humans, and welcome back to the Bitcoin Stoa. For any first-time listeners here today, the Bitcoin Stoa is a community-funded platform. So if you enjoy listening, you can support the project by sending some sats to the QR code on our homepage at bitcoinstoa.com. You can also stream sats using the Breeze app, which has a really badass podcast feature. Current Moscow time is 1621 at 708-326. And with that said, it's my honor to welcome Dr. Jack Cruz, who's kindly offered his time this morning to have a conversation. Jack, welcome to the Stoa. Hey, thanks. Appreciate being here. So Jack is a neurosurgeon on a mission to create health from disease with a change in thought and currency, which I think is super unique. And, uh, you know, you're a Bitcoin advocate and you have some really unique insights uh, when it comes to Bitcoin and health. So I thought a good place to start to give people a little bit of context before we dive into all things health and Bitcoin um, would be to hear your Bitcoin story. So, you know, how did you initially come across Bitcoin or, or as I sometimes say, how did Bitcoin find you? And what were sort of the significant moments from then until where we are today? Well, the, the funny part was, was a bunch of friends that were talking about it, um, I believe, over some wine. It was a group of us. And I have to tell you, the people at that meeting, none of them really understood truly what it was. And I can say that through the retrospectoscope, understanding it now. But I was intrigued uh, by a couple of things that were said during the meeting. And I said, all right, I'm going to have to go check this out. And I think the time stamp on this was right around 2014, 2015. And I think the only reason I remember it, the place that I bought the coin at was Bitstamp. And uh, the reason I remember, it was probably three or four months after I bought um, the stuff then, because I didn't buy that much. I bought, I, I think I bought several coins, but that was it. Um, it was a phishing scam where they lost, I think, four or five million dollars. And it was for somebody who worked with Bitstamp. And here's the, the real ultimate irony of the, the story. Totally forgot that those things sat uh, there for I don't know how long until I'm going to say three or four years later when I actually began to really look at Bitcoin for a very specific reason that uh I felt that it could help physicians unplug from the centralized medical system. I said, wait a minute, this is a decentralized coin. I need to look into this to see, is there any way that I can shrink time? Just so you understand, as a, a, as a surgeon or a doctor, allopathic doctor, when I started my career 30, 35 years ago, most doctors were independent contractors. They didn't work for hospitals. Today, it's completely different. 100%, I don't want to say 100%, but it's like 99% of physicians today are employees of hospital systems. And what does that mean? Much like having Jerome Powell between me and my money, having a hospital administrator is between me and my patient. And that's really effectively what's happened in medicine over the last 30 years. And as you know, what we've been going through in medicine, you know, the last two years, it's become blatantly obvious because now people think they can get in between the doctor-patient relationship and tell each one of us what to do, doesn't matter whether we consent to it or not. And that's the real problem with a centralized system. So I have been practicing something called mitochondrial medicine. And this change happened with me, I'm going to tell you, it's 17 years ago, uh, where I realized all the things I was learning about in residency wasn't really translating and helping my patients. And I began to realize uh, the single reason for that is because I was asking the wrong questions. I was taught to fix things a certain way in allopathic medicine, but 
I found out after being in practice probably for 15, 16 years that the things that I was taught to do weren't always the proper thing to do. And, and many times the patients were left worse off than not. So I began to question things. And a couple of fortuitous things happened to me in my life where I actually got an injury and I felt in the same crack that patients felt. Through. In other words, I became a patient. Right. And that really opened my eyes. I was like, okay, you know what? Einstein's definition of insanity is you keep doing the same shit over and over again. You expect a different result. And I said, I can't do this. So eventually through my own injury, I was at a meeting in Birmingham, Alabama, giving a talk about uh, spine surgery where my injury happened. And one of the doctor's wives who happened to work for a biotechnology company was there. And she goes, look, I think I know why this happened to you. I'm going to send you a book. I'm going to send you six papers. I want you to read the book first, then the papers. Long story short, what she was trying to tell me is she was a senior executive at this company. She thought that they were cooking the trial so that they could get rid of this um, drug that they were working on because they realized that some of the things that are present in nature well, could make the drug obsolete. And they didn't want that to happen. Mm. Well, here's the funny part of the story. The way she wanted me to go with this was to kind of go after you know, the trial and things like that. And I was like, wait a minute, this was the answer that I was looking for in the beginning, that this was the beginning of true centralized medicine. When I realized um, that it was the environment that dictated how our mitochondria really worked and the mitochondrial energy production, meaning I don't want to say production because it's the bad choice of words. When you think about thermodynamics, it's actually energy transformation is optimized when you're in the correct environments. And of course, I jumped down the rabbit hole and her papers and the book she sent me were actually very germane in me figuring this out. Like it wasn't what she wanted me to do, but it was kind of like the happiest mistake of my life. And that's when I realized, wait a minute, nature is the only fully decentralized thing on planet Earth. And then, as you can imagine, seven, eight years later, Bitcoin comes to my life and I'm going, wait a minute, this is the only man-made thing. That's 100% decentralized. I need to see truly how this works. So when I tore apart, apart Satoshi's white paper, I realized immediately, I, I saw things like when you see hash rate, I see metabolic rate. Mm. And I started to, to look at, I said, you know what? This is a monetary network, just like we're a biologic network of how we transform energy optimally. And it turns out in the body, it's optimally so that you can live a healthy life and when it comes to money and, and value, it's how you can transmit it over space and time. And if you really think about it, that's kind of what your life is. You go from a baby and you're transmitted through space and time until you're an adult and you die. And the key to that whole process is energy. So truthfully, if you really think about it, nature is a proof of work concept as well. So is Bitcoin. So when we hear the stuff like we do in Bitcoin, like energy fund, immediately you should stop. And, and realize you that you're being told bullshit by the World Economic Forum and the BIS because they're trying to tell you that proof of work is no good. So if, they, if you effectively take their premise, that means that you're saying that nature should not be proof of work. In other words, we should extinguish the sun. And ironically, one of the World Economic Forum's friends, Bill Gates, actually has written papers about that. It's so crazy. And it, it really, I love your 
sort of mental model of, okay, the mitochondrial, the mitochondria is the structure in the body that converts, um, energy converts forms of energy, like sun energy into biological energy. And Correct. Bitcoin is, is the mitochondria of the Bitcoin monetary network that converts energy in whatever form, like there's a diverse form of energy inputs and it converts it into monetary energy. And I think this whole alignment of decentral, like one of the favorite lines I heard you see on a podcast is that nature is a decentralized health network. Humans are designed by nature to be in optimal health when we're plugged into this decentralized health network. And what we've done with essentially, you know, I've over the past year, I've stopped even saying the word healthcare. Uh, and I've simply called it what it is, sick care. And the sick care system essentially has unplugged us from the decentralized network of nature and plugged us into this artificial man-made structure of centralized medicine. And it's costing all of us our health, including, and this is, I think, an important point people don't realize, including the health of the physicians who are in that system, who are now well, just cogs in the machine. I will tell you, when I first started out in medicine, this is the true story. Uh, doctors never uh, died by their own hand today we are the number one profession that dies by our own hand. And I'm going to tell you, part of the reason for that has to do with feeling like a slave in the cave, you know, from Plato's allegory. And the reason for that is many physicians, when they come into it, see, I'm, I'm fortunate because I'm older guy. Uh, I was in the old system and I had a foot in the new system. The problem is guys that are your age that are in medicine, uh, they don't know about the old system. They don't know what it's like to be an entrepreneur in medicine, right? that's completely gone. And uh, to be honest with you, I think if medicine still had its entrepreneurial spirit and Bitcoin came at that time, my job teaching physicians about how to use Bitcoin to unplug or untether from this centralized nightmare they're living through is a big deal. And you, you are absolutely correct because I tell physicians all the time, who are you good for if you're not good for yourself? And see, the way we are, are taught by the algorithm that is the medical school curriculum is to subjugate ourselves for our patients. We're always mm -hmm. supposed to do that. That was my mindset all the way until I was probably 40, 45 years old. And I said, wait a minute, if I continue to do this, I'm not going to make it. And not only that, I'm not giving good service to my own customers. You know, I was staying up um, 10 nights a month. So that means one third of a month. Working for free. Remember, the hospital didn't pay me to take call. Like they would say, well, if you got any patients at night, you know, you can make money from that. But it turns out most of the people that came in at night didn't have any money. So here I am staying up at all hours of night, taking care of people's lives. And I'm sacrificing going, your own health. You got it, dude. And that's actually, believe it or not, the story that I told you about me being in Birmingham, that's actually what got me sick. And it, I didn't put two and two together until this, this, beautiful lady crashed into me with this story about leptin. And she said, look, and here she is trying to help me, but she doesn't really, even to this day, I don't think fully understand what she really did for me. And it kind of was the, that come to Jesus moment that a lot of people have about Bitcoin. I first had it about health where I got Windex put on my glass eye. And I was like, I need to live my life differently. And what, why I'm so passionate about Bitcoin is Bitcoin is the major tool in my bag that has allowed me to unplug from the, the centralized system so that I could be decentralized and then teach other physicians how to do it. Because I'll tell you, they're scared. Right now, burnout is at the highest level ever, both with doctors and nurses. And they are scared. If I told you how many 
uh, healthcare professionals that I've talked to in the last two months about these vaccine mandates and their jobs, about their economic futures. I mean, last year we were heroes. This year we're the villains. Yeah. They want to you know, take us out. And when you actually really think about it, you, you know you're a Bitcoin guy. We have animosity towards the Fed. We want to become unmanageable for the Fed. Right. I'm telling you, and I tell them the same thing, you want to become unmanageable for the healthcare system because there is no way in the middle of a pandemic, a supposed pandemic, that you should be firing the people that are taking care of people in ICUs. It yeah, just concerned. doesn't make any sense at all. Yeah. And it's, you know, let's unpack this a little bit about, okay, you teach physicians how to use Bitcoin in their practice to untether from the centralized system. Let's unpack that a little bit about, uh, you know, let's, for someone who's like, I don't understand how that, you know, if there's a physician listening, it's like, I'm curious, but I don't understand how that actually materializes. Can you unpack at like a zoomed out level, how that, yeah. how Bitcoin does that? Yeah. Well, for, I'll, I'll explain it using my own analogy. So I told you I'm an independent contractor. I work in a hospital. I'm not employed by anyone. So say if someone comes to me and wants to have a cervical fusion or a, a, a lumbar disc operation. Um, and if they go through their regular medical insurance, they would have to pay a copay and then they would get the surgery scheduled and it would be, you'd have to pre-cert the case, meaning you'd have to contact the insurance company to make sure everything's okay. They'd have to go to the hospital here and there. When they come to see someone like me, I tell the patient, you pay me in Bitcoin and I will do all of this for you with no middleman involved at all. And we can schedule the surgery anytime you want. That's the gist of it. That's a peer to peer so, physician to patient totally. relationship. Yeah. And, and here's the cool part about it. So, and I'll, I'll give you an example for, um, and in my specific case, we get paid and I'll, I'll make it a, a real simple case, like a lumbar discectomy. Doctors get paid, depending on the insurance, anywhere between $3,000 and $5,000 to do this operation. Okay. So if you come in and pay me in Bitcoin, I usually offer you a 50% discount. So in other words, I'm motivating you, the patient. You say, wait a minute, doc, I can get this for half price and still be your patient and everything gets taken care of? The answer is yes. And what does that do? It facilitates not only price action of Bitcoin, but here's the big part. It really facilitates the use of payment rails because that's the other side of Bitcoin nobody likes to talk about, except maybe Jack Mahler's. So I think the biggest value in Bitcoin is actually on that network. side. Absolutely. Yeah. The network to me is way more important than people want to know. So if I can onboard people, especially my patients, then explain to my patients when they come see me post-op how this actually benefits them then I can explain to them, look, you don't need to have health insurance. Why are you spending money? So I'll give you another example that happened to me as a patient. Uh, I was spending uh, upwards of about $1,000 a month on my own health insurance. And my health is really good because of the things I teach people about being a black swan mitochondria, about being you know, optimized for light, water, and magnetism so that you can transform energy well. And I said, does this make sense for me to spend a thousand dollars a month, twelve thousand dollars. What if I put twelve thousand dollars every year and I put it into Bitcoin? So I started doing that like four or five years ago. So I can tell you that money's already turned into over a million bucks. So when yeah, I Bitcoin explain is, that, Bitcoin is time essentially because exactly. now that you have that purchasing power, you no longer are under the pressure um, of having to do things out of strictly uh, a monetary incentive, right? And it's like this whole notion that. Money has become corrupted where if money is time, 
money creation with no proof of work is time theft on a national scale. And it's this weird thing that we're so illiterate when it comes to finance. Like we just don't understand it. We're not taught it. I think it's probably advantageous for the people continuing to do this scam to not teach us about the scam. Um, And it essentially creates this time pressure. And, you know, I come from a background in health. I'm I'm a physical therapist by training. I stopped being a physio because I actually wanted to be part of health instead of just um, disease management um, or like symptom management, which I was just getting fed up with. And this whole notion that we get our time stolen, we all feel the squeeze. We have less time. We're having to work harder for less. And everyone feels that squeeze, but no one really understands the mechanics of how that squeeze gets created. And the biggest thing I try and help people understand is that when you reclaim agency with your money, you reclaim your time. You now have time available to learn how to take care of yourself. And this whole underlying premise that only the individual can reclaim their own health, we're just not given any tools or any uh, empowerment to do that because our, our sick care system is fundamentally disempowering. I need to give you responsibility for my health because I can't do anything and I need you to be healthy. And this is like the message in, in quote unquote health. And it's so fucked up and everyone's messed up because it's not sustainable and it's not actually true. And so I can well, definitely that's, see that's, how, that's, yeah. that's the big point. That's the big point that you just brought up. The fact that it's not true. And this is, this is the key to when I teach my Bitcoin courses to the physicians, I explain to them, you think that you need to continue to be a slave to the system so that you can get the money to pay your house, your bills, pay off your student loans. Because some of these kids come out now who are physicians and they have $400,000 worth of student loan debt going through school. So I explain to them, you realize that when you convert your fiat into Bitcoin, that you can take the time that it takes to pay those loans back or the time that it takes you to become an entrepreneur and shrink it down. And I show them actually how to do that. And I show them how a little bit of cash can lead to a huge change. So when you thought that they were going to practice in a specialty, say for, you know, 30 years, I can shrink it down to 10. So in some uh, scenarios, like especially if they're surgeons, I can shrink it down to five years if they do the conversion of their fiat to Bitcoin properly. And some of them have actually walked away from Mm -hmm. medicine after doing this. They were like, wait a minute. I now realize I don't need to go in and do this every day. I I can actually, I have enough money now where I don't have to worry about it at all because they understand the mechanics behind it. And the reason why this is a big deal for us to talk about is not only is it about time, it's about freedom. And when you actually think about that, and since you uh, have a tie to healthcare too, I think you'll understand this. This is a way for doctors and nurses to recapture their passion on what they want to do. So that way, instead of focusing in on the paradigm that's RNA and DNA, they can go and learn about mitochondrial DNA and then learn about the things that really do make us better and healthy so that you can truly unplug from the biologic system. And the reason why I'm saying this to you, I was in Clubhouse the other day. And there's a guy named Robert in for Boston, and he was actually saying something to Hoddle that, oh, well, I want to live in Boston because they have great health care and this and that. And I'm going, dude, that's such a fiat mindset. Why do you want to live in a place that has good health care? I mean, I want you to realize you should never use the health care. Right. You should never need the prescription. But he, he didn't even get when we were trying to explain it to him in the room that the fact that you were saying, oh, I want this around me, and that's why I live in a city that's fundamentally really good about stealing time and money from you makes totally no sense at all. And he 
he never put two and two together. It's frustrating. Yeah. yeah it, it, I mean, we're programmed so deeply from such an early stage that the idea of having to revisit these fundamental assumptions we've made and actually lived by for our entire lives is so challenging that only the really curious people actually manage to do it. And I think sometimes it takes multiple touch points, right? Like the first time you learned about Bitcoin, you maybe you were curious enough to look into it, but it never really like sunk in deep. And I know for me, it took multiple touch points. I had a patient in 2015 that was, wouldn't stop talking about Bitcoin as a computer programmer. Every time I treated him, he was just Bitcoin, this Bitcoin that asking me about it. And finally, I caved in and said, fine, I'll get a Bitcoin so that I can kind of at least have an excuse to learn about it. And obviously, I'm very thankful, but it took him multiple reps to really like, and I'm very thankful for that patient where whoever that person is, uh, like, I'm very grateful because, you know, Bitcoin was about 150 bucks Canadian at that point. And if it wasn't for that person, I wouldn't have looked into it. But I think it takes most people multiple touch points. And it's almost like an onion. We have this onion that's sort of like encased itself over time. And maybe the curious people are willing to dive into the first layer of the onion and be like, okay, are these societal and life assumptions I've made true? And once you realize, like, it's very uncomfortable to realize you've been using corrupt money that's stealing from you your entire life. And well, I think it's kind of like, it's kind of like what I tell people about my own transition in medicine. You know how hard it was to realize that I was lied to about everything that I learned in medical school. And I almost had to relearn yeah. the things that, um, were important, you know, that you I realized first, problems. that's the hardest right. part. Yeah, it is. And the thing is that 18 months when I went through that and realized that my focus was placed in the wrong place by design to benefit big pharma and pharmaceutical and medical design companies, you know, especially medical device companies, because I was a spine surgeon, um, big deal. I mean, I have to tell you, <clears throat> the hardest thing is to swallow the pill when you realize you've been bamboozled, when you realize that here you are, a smart person, you think there's no way that I can be fooled, and to realize that almost everything in your life was a lie. Not everything. I mean, we, we do a good job on acute uh, trauma situations, things like yeah. that. But most of the chronic disease epidemics that we have in medicine are based on diseases that they don't want us to cure because we cured them, they wouldn't have customers. And that's the real problem. And yeah. when you come to that and you realize that the system is that broken and that Bitcoin fixes it, you know, we always hear from a variety of different people, both on podcasts who have their own podcasts or on Clubhouse or on Twitter spaces, that Bitcoin fixes everything. Well, I wish people would stop them and say, okay, tell us about the thing in your life that it's going to fix. Because yeah. you and I today, are talking about something that most people would never associate Bitcoin with fixing, which is fixing medicine. And I think it is. And I think ultimately, when we take this further down the pike for a guy like me, when I have, I mean, the path that I'm on right now, I may be able to have obscene wealth in the next five or six years. Well, guess what? When I want to study something in mitochondria, I don't have to wait for a drug company to do it. I can actually run the clinical trial myself to get the answer that I think I need for the patients who can benefit. Mm -hmm. And I've told people this, that one of the things I'd like to do with my money is to right some of the wrongs that have happened in the peer review literature. And I think where we are today, anybody who's followed COVID can see that the peer review literature has been completely polluted by big pharma so that they can control the methodology to get the results that they want so they can generate profits. That's exactly what we're seeing 
you know, with the Pfizer uh, emergency use trial, you know, it's, yeah. we just had a, a big thing published in the British Journal of Medicine when they went out and hired an investigative uh, reporter who found out that the, the integrity data was cooked. And now we're making political decisions and mandate decisions about this very issue. And, you know, the problem is we should have never let the ball go down that far. Like when you leave the, the, the wolf in charge of the hen house, dude, this is when big mistakes can happen. And we're doing it in money too. We're, we're turning it over to Powell and saying, or yelling and saying, Hey, how are you going to get us out of this debt cycle? And we keep seeing what they're doing and they're doing a lot of the same. And now we've got inflation cropping up everywhere in North America, but it's a global problem. And you can see the problems manifest. You've got to get to the point where you say, how do I stop this? And it turns out, and this is the ultimate irony to me, because Bitcoin is a decentralized network, that's the reason why the statement that's made by many Bitcoiners that Bitcoin will fix this is true. And that's what people don't understand. You have to tease that out. Like when you hear Alex Gladstein say, Bitcoin will stop war. He's actually right. But it takes you uh, a teleologic expose in your own mind to get to that point. And then when you see it, you're like, oh, my God, this makes total sense. And, you know, I don't know if you've seen uh, the latest Swan Bitcoin uh, video. They just released it a couple of days ago. Generational wealth. Yeah, dude. I mean, when you watch that. Right. It is. You watch that and you see what Corey and his team has done. They actually made a video that actually gets to the point of what you and I are talking about. In other words, each one of us has our own lives and our own perspective. And when you begin to understand how Bitcoin really can help you in your own world, when you become that slave in the cave that got liberated in Plato's story, you immediately want to go out and find other lions. You're not interested in going back into the cave. You want to find other people out there that get it and understand how Bitcoin can change your life. Then you want to sit down with them and explain how it's fixing your life. Ultimately, what I think is going to happen, these group of lions are going to congregate in different places. They're the ones, they're the crazy ones that are actually going to change this world. Yeah. I have a theory that Bitcoiners are the only ones with enough time because not only is their time not being stolen, but now they have more time to learn about how the world works, to learn about economics, to learn about money, to learn about philosophy, to learn about health, to learn about all these things. They will be in the best position and have the most time freedom to actually step into this silly game of politics to to get in there. Because at the end of the day, money is always going to be power. And what we're seeing now is like a shift from corrupt money to fair money. And the people with the fair money are increasing their purchasing power at an exponential rate. And it's, it's almost like it's a peaceful revolution that so few people know about that no one's really concerned enough to stop it. It's still kind of like seems silly to the people in power. These, these people with massive egos and arrogance, they don't really understand what Bitcoin is, which is actually good at this point because they're not scared enough of it. But those are the people who will, you know, my, my hope my, um, in my heart is that people, Bitcoiners will get into politics. They will use that to, to dismantle politics and, re, and basically restore a decentralized governance system that gives power back to the people, because that's really what the ethos is all about. And I think, you know, that old Munger quote, show me the incentive and I'll show you the outcomes. If we have corrupt money and money is the base layer language of society, we will inevitably have a corrupt society. 
And this, it is not because we have corrupt people. It's the game is broken at a fundamental base layer. And like the aha moment for me was I just spent five years of my life trying to understand how to help people reclaim responsibility for their health. And then I started to adopt this mental model where it's like, okay, you have a hierarchical layer of problems at the superficial level. The ones we see obviously are health and climate, but then below that you have an education problem below that you have a governance problem. And at the very bottom that everything's built on, you have a money problem. And until you fix the money, nothing else can be fixed sustainably. All we can do is like little permutations that don't actually do anything. And it just made me realize it's like, okay, fix the money, fix the world really holds true in my life. I've seen it in my own life. I have way more freedom to do what I want to do instead of what I need to do because I have pressure to pay for the things that I have. Um, and I just think that, you know, with medicine, the money is in right now, the companies that sell those drugs, if those companies essentially, well, I would also tell you it's, it's also in, in hospital systems. Sure. I'm, I'm, so, I'm, I'm, I'm just going to tell you COVID if COVID did anything. It's opened every doctor's eyes to just how powerful the hospital administrations took power from doctors over the last 30 years. And the, you know what the real problem is? The doctors were the slaves in the cave that put their hands on, said, put the, the handcuffs on me. They all have Stockholm syndrome. And right. this is a huge problem. And But the thing is, when they see what's coming, the, like the next iteration things are going to get even worse. I, I would just tell you, I, my own two kids, both of them wanted to become doctors. And I told her, if you become doctor, you get no money from me. Hmm. I, I do not want my kids signing up for slavery at all, at any level. And, hmm. you know, both of my kids are huge Bitcoiners. Uh, one of them knows it. One of them doesn't. One of them, one of them has no clue, you know, what she's sitting on. But the thing is, do I want her to struggle in the fiat system because I truly believe when you fail in the fiat system, it's the Windex on your glass eyes for the other side. And what you said, I actually like, cause I'm living this myself. People will say to me all the time, why are you willing to go on clubhouse for two or three hours at a time and teach people about Bitcoin? And it's what you said, because I have the time to do that. Now as a decentralized neurosurgeon, I can actually physically Go help educate people so they don't have to spend 10,000 hours in college or reading books or going to lectures. Why not give them the education they need? And the thing is, when you truly understand this asset class and how it does fix the world, and you can explain it in those different realms, it doesn't matter what our, our uh, talents are, like what our jobs are. We can all work together because when we get on the back side of this and the money is fixed, the new system that's going to be built uh, is going to be radically different. And we're going to need we're going to need plumbers. We're going to need electricians. We're going to need construction workers. We're going to need truck drivers. We're going to need physical therapists. We're going to need doctors. So to me, there is a return on equity. It's kind of like the story. I remember when I was a young kid, when my grandfather pointed outside and said, you see that big oak tree 250 years ago? The guy that put that nut in the ground wasn't getting the benefit. But look, we're sitting here right now and it's shading us from the sun. Yeah. And I think Bitcoin is exactly the same thing uh, as that seed. It has destructive power to rebuild a new world where people truly get the things that Jefferson wrote about in the Declaration of Independence, where we have life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. In other words, nobody can take those things away from us 
that the sovereignty that we have is innate and it should be innate, but the system has been crafted. And, you know, when I think about politics, I think that the founding fathers of this country had it right in terms of the constitution, the bill of rights and the declaration of independence. You know what the real problem for Thomas Jefferson was? He didn't have hard money. You can't fuck with. And that really was the thing that's been missing from the United States. And if you look at the whole history of the United States from literally the 1790s all the way up to the Federal Reserve Act in in 13 under Woodrow Wilson, dude, you will see that soft money was behind all the economic problems that were present in the United States for that 120, 125 years. And I, I truly believe that when those guys from the government got together at Jekyll Island, they thought they were doing a good job. I don't think yeah. they had bad intent. I think they were trying to take a bad system, but it goes back to something you said. They didn't have the, the, the initial idea that the entire system was flawed, meaning that because the money is broken, all the other parts of the system are. Now, here we are 100 years later <coughs> after Jekyll Island, And what have we done? We've layered on on that onion more bad layers to government. And to to accept or get a politician today to understand our premise that fixing the money can fix a lot of these these problems, they think that this is hyperbole. They, They don't understand the historical context. And some of them will only get it until they actually own Bitcoin and really understand it. And then when they do, And I personally think how this is going to happen, it's going to start at a municipal level. Like we just saw yesterday, two American mayors agree to get paid in Bitcoin. Well, when we start to see those changes, these are the kind of changes that I think for Bitcoiners that are huge, because if we can get a municipality to begin to understand the benefits of Bitcoin, guess what? Then we're all going to be able to start to wake up. And then We're going to have a lot of people who need to get into this network before the guys that are running this uh, kleptocracy or this technocracy. Uh, I personally don't want to see Mark Zuckerberg own any Bitcoin until everybody, you know, in the state of Louisiana owns it or in the state of Florida owns it. I want people who have very little now in fiat. And when I mean very little, anything below $100,000, I want them fully in before the people with big fiat come in because that's going to be the tide that's that the raises equalizer. Yeah, it's the tide that raises all of our boats and for us to get to what the swan bitcoin guys put in that video we need to go through a little bit uh I, i'm going to tell you i think it's a cultural war of bitcoin on fiat and and i think it's going to be a cultural war that's probably not fought like the wars we saw during the Trump administration where people were burning shit down left and right. I think it's going to be Bitcoiners burning down guys like uh, Schiff, uh, guys like Steve Hankey, um, um, Krugman. It's already happening. It's right. happening. Twitter it is. Is, is not going to be, Twitter is not kind and history will be extremely unkind to the people. And like you said, everyday people, the person who sells pupusas in El Salvador, the plumber that works in a, uh, a small town, has the chance to front run the world's 
millionaires, billionaires, the corporations, central banks, and whole countries on the best trade to acquire the world's hardest money ever. This is the ultimate opportunity. And it really is just like, how do we get the education out to people? And I think it's, it's like incredibly powerful because the ego and the, like these powers discount how important Bitcoin is, how good Bitcoin is. And that arrogance is actually what's going to create the pause to let people to get in before they get in. And they're going to pay way more for their sats. And so they should. And they're going to lift, like you said, everyone's purchasing power up with them when they finally realize. And the beautiful thing is that it's inevitable that they get into it. Greed and incentive and logical thinking says Apple, Google, Amazon, Facebook, all of these companies, all the billionaires will acquire Bitcoin eventually. And the longer you wait, the more expensive it gets and the more people you're going to help in the meantime, who have acquired it uh, before you. And I think it's, it makes me feel really good because it's like the peaceful revolution is not only, you know, people say Bitcoin's going to change things. Bitcoin is changing things. It's already happening. And well, it's, it's only wealth, gaining more speed. Technically, it's a wealth tax for the wealthy because guess what? Yeah. When, they, when they have to spend more fiat to buy Bitcoin, that effectively is an unlegislated tax that they uh, informed on themselves because it's their opportunity cost. And the crazy thing is, People who don't have a lot of money need to realize that it's actually the way you get the benefit. That's why I call it a wealth transfer. But people need to understand the quicker they get in, the better it is. And that's actually what I'm teaching docs on the decentralized medicine platform. I'm telling them the sooner they get this message before other docs come in, you have to destroy this paradigm. You have to destroy uh, the paradigm of sick care. And once you do that and begin to teach people how the decentralized network of nature affects people's biology and keeps them healthy and well, um, you're good to go. And not only that, when I tell them that they can discount, look, I've given some discounts in the last two years to some patients, 80%. And I will tell you, uh, because you know, this was before the last halving. If I told you what that is worth now compared to say what a doctor would get paid, they're like, wait a minute, you made how much money doing this? Yeah. And it's because now when you paid me, in Bitcoin, you know, in 2018 and 2019, and now it's at $65,000 a share. What you paid me then is radically different now. What was the difference? I was the doctor that realized it paid to wait a small amount of time. And then when I explained to him, how long do you have to wait for, say, Facebook stock to return, you know, seven, eight, 900%? It, was it 18 months? No. And see, most physicians, the reason they're paying attention to this now is because most of their portfolios took it in the shorts over COVID. A lot of them had problems. And then when you explain to them what happened in March of 19, all the way to today, especially on the Bitcoin side, they're like, and you do the math. I actually put the math to a compound calculator. They all sit there and they go, I wouldn't have to work if I would have gotten this message two years ago. I said, now you're beginning to understand Bitcoin. Yeah. And, and so when the, the hospital administrator comes in and tells you that you have to see 12 more patients this day so that you can make your pittance, you can just smile at them and, and do what you want to do. Yeah. Uh, because you can walk away from this job. If they fire you, it doesn't matter because you now have another have agency. job. Right. You have another job. And that job is taking care of yourself taking care of your own health, taking care of your own finances, helping your own family. And not only that, I teach them all that once they truly understand the power of this, 
their duty as physicians. This is my update to the Hippocratic Oath that they have to teach the patients the mm. same thing. Because yeah. when they teach the patients that, what are they doing? They're creating their own customer base. Why? Because patients, even if you don't know this, you want doctors like this. You want doctors that are going to keep you healthy. Our goal is to keep you out of the hospital, keep you off the operating room table. And if we can do that, uh, that's creating huge value for you, tremendous value for you. And the problem is, I tell, tell doctors this all the time. People, when you tell them the price of something, they usually get sticker shock. But you know the one thing I've, I've learned about in neurosurgery? When someone gets told that they have a brain tumor and they may die, the one thing that they value more than anything else, it's almost like a, a gene goes off in their head. Time becomes the most valuable asset. I said, your job as a physician right now is not to use the brain tumor analogy, but you need to use that analogy with every patient that walks through your door and tell them the reason that you're hiring me is because I'm giving you time back by teaching you these things. And when you do that, you're going to find out that you just created a relationship between your patient where it's a win-win. Yes. Which is totally different than, you know, the machine of medicine is essentially we treat sick people. We want to continue treating them. We do not, we're not incentivized to make people healthy. Like I, I think people fundamentally misunderstand that the game theory of what people call health, but is really the sick sickness industry is such that it is very good for business to keep people sick. So you just don't want them to die because then you don't make any more money, but you, you want them as basically like in that zone close to death where they continue to require your services. Cause that's how they make money. And I, I really don't think it's, it's not evil people doing this. And I, I talk to doctors sometimes and they're, they're, they're literally stuck in a bad game and they right. feel like they have they no are. way out. Well, Bitcoin you know, is now you're, you're probably, you're probably you're probably too young to remember this book, but since you're a physical therapist, you may dig it. You ever read The House of God? No. All right, you need to read this book. Anybody who's listening to this podcast, who's the this author? Is a book that I I don't even know, but I read this book back when I was in college and back in residency. And here's the funny thing: they have nicknames for all different doctors, and the internal medicine doctors are called fleas. And the reason why they were fleas because they were the last thing off the dog before it died. And mm. based on what you just said, you read this book and you're going to realize doctors, even back then, 50 years ago, knew they were in a bad game. But you know what the problem was? The game still paid enough mm. where it wasn't it was a, a profitable real problem. Game. Right. It was a profitable game. But here's the problem now. Inflation has reared such an ugly head that now the breaks in the game are obvious even to the participants. Right. And the problem is many of them who get in this game don't know how to extricate themselves. Bitcoin is the extrication tool. And the, the key thing is when people begin to understand that they have power in this relationship, now I'm talking about both patients and doctors, that's when it's a game changer. Yeah. Um, I don't want people to default into a system that's fundamentally bad. I mean, you're going to need us. I'm, I'm not trying to tell you that, you know, you may not need open heart surgery. You may not need, you know, your tibia fixed after you get in a car wreck. Those but things. If you do, you know, right. those people are important. <laughs> Correct. They are important. Yeah. And the thing is, you should be able to contract with them directly so that you can get that service done. Why? 
because I believe if you do that and you pay directly with Bitcoin, I can discount my services tremendously. That's where I was going with this earlier with you, that the people that I've discounted my services to, I'm also putting huge value back into them because I'm teaching them. Why would I do that? Because all of them ask me why. And I was going to bring that up. Because right. the when fundamental, I, I think the Latin word for doctor is teacher. And by, by essentially communicating that this is a better form of money that I wish to receive because, and because it's a better form of money, I can charge you less. You're teaching them about Bitcoin, every interaction. And that is a whole new realm. Like the health network that I uh, was an executive for, we had five pillars of health for the longest time. We had food, sleep, movement, mindfulness or mental health and community. And we just added a sixth one, which I think is actually the access door to all the other pillars, which is financial health, because that's what gives you the time to pay attention to the pillars. And I think it's so cool that you're building hard money into the education that you're giving your patients. You're embedding, you're embedding it in there because that might be the most important thing they learn even more than, than your service or your health advice. In my opinion, you're right, but you know what? But the thing is, I don't think when they initially come, they get it, but, but it's a touch point. It's a potent touch point from a teacher that they're trusting their life to you. So clearly they, there's a trust bond there. Right. And I think you're the fact that they view you as a very credible, important teacher in their lives is, you know, it's not just a touch point that they hear Bitcoin on the news. It's like a really powerful touch point for them to be like, well, I should probably check this out a little bit and I have to check it out to pay him in Bitcoin anyway. Yeah. I mean, I, I, I think, the part of this that I like, it's actually given me my passion back for medicine because now I truly feel how I did when I filled out my medical school application about being mm-hmm. altruistic. Uh, and I can tell you back in the old system that I was in, it wasn't there. I mean, I, I realized I was getting worn out. It was kind of like being in a rut. And when you stay in a rut long enough, guess what? It's a tomb. Mm-hmm. Uh, because then you find out that the floor keeps dropping, the walls keep getting bigger and you have a duty to yourself and your patients, never to let uh, those things happen to you. And the thing is, you know, when it's happening to you, it's really happening to them, especially if they get, right. you know, put it, put into the system. Um, you know, and I've got, I've got a pretty cool story. I'll probably share with you. You probably dig this. I have a guy that comes um, here and cuts my grass and he's 80 years old. He's a former Marine and he was doing something really stupid that I didn't want him to do. He was up on one of the roofs of my building, cleaning out the gutters. He fell off the roof of the building 16 feet and landed. I thought he hurt his head. Luckily, he was here when this, when I, I was here when this went down. It happened at the end of May of this year. And turned out he had a knee replacement. The knee replacement had a stem in it. So it split his tibia right down the long shaft of it. And that was his main problem. His head turned out to be okay. He didn't really have any other major problems. But when he went to the hospital, orthopedic surgeon told him that, look, because this, the plate on the top of your tibia is moved, we got to let the tibia heal first. Then we're going to have to go in and then fix your knee later. So one of the problems that he developed, he had pretty significant pain with this. And when they put him in the cast that he was in, I got them to take the cast off and put him in. Um, a more of a brace to, you know, a knee immobilizer brace. And um, he was on narcotics and he started to have problems with the narcotics, both cognitively and from uh, his bowels. And he goes, Jack, is there anything you can do? And I said, yeah, there is something I can do to decrease your pain. I said, but you're going to have to give me a little bit of trust. And he knows that I take care of people 
this way. So I sat him in front of this new light that I have that is eight foot by four foot tall that actually, believe it or not, I made for a, a, a hockey player, <laughs> uh, uh, Duncan Keith. And yeah, he's Canadian, I think. Right, he is. And the light, when we put him in front of it, and I, one of the side effects of the light is that it decreases your pain and actually causes things to heal up pretty well. So he was able to come off the, the Percocet that the doctor had given him and he was doing fine. He went back to the doctor three weeks after this because I put him in front of the light an hour at a time. And the doctor looked at his x-ray and said, your bones almost completely healed. Hmm. And he's like, you're not going to need any surgery because guess what? He then told the doctor he's been taking his brace off. He didn't even tell me this. And he was walking around <laughs> and he does have a little bit of a limp even to this very day. But he's like, if you think that I'm signing up for another knee replacement, because he remembers what that was like, yep. he's like, there's no way. So he got completely better, literally within four to five weeks of utilizing this big light. And I just gave him the key to the clinic. I said, go and use it anytime you want. He was staying in there three or four hours at a time. And I told him when he went in there, make sure you wear the goggles on your eyes. Well, here's the coolest part of the story. He... Uh, was diagnosed with acute macular degeneration uh, about 10 years ago. And he has to go to the eye doctor every so often. So he went to the eye doctor six weeks after doing this thing for his legs. They did a test on him. He's got 20-20 vision and he no longer has AMD. <laughs> and the reason it happened, this is the mistake. He did he forget to wear his goggles? Yeah, he never wore the goggles. <laughs> so a typical Marine, he's a jarhead. He's going to do what he wants to do. Yeah, of course. But here's, here's where the benefit was to me. I was like, is this freaking possible? So here I am going back through the medical literature and I'm finding out that it is possible, but you know what? No one's actually done the studies to show ophthalmologists this is a, a big deal. So remember when we talked about what you're going to do with your Bitcoin down the road? This is the perfect thing to study because mm -hmm. AMD right now in our world Allopathic medicine says it's not curable. Well, what if it is? What if we just stumbled into it and we need to create a study to show ophthalmologists that this is actually possible by utilizing this light? Ultimately, this turns out to actually be a Bitcoin story. Why? Because when he went to see the orthopedic surgeon uh, about his knee, they didn't have the time to sit down. You know, they spent 10 or 15 minutes with them because that's what you do in a fiat world it's kind of like what you do on twitter you read a tweet and think you know everything about this topic that's the way medicine's practice and it shouldn't be that way and when he sat down with me i was able to spend a whole hour with him going through this whole thing and i told him i said look when these nfl and nhl players come to see me with their medical ailments this is the reason why i'm doing this and one of the effects that we know helps with the use of photobiomodulations it decreases pain I said, so if you want to get off this medicine, you can do it. And guess what? He did. That to me is the most amazing part of the story. And, and the thing is, the guys that allowed me to buy and get that light, guess how that happened? They paid me in Bitcoin. So in other words, that light was sitting there not being used. You know, this is in between time. Did I have to charge Dave to do that? Mm -hmm. I didn't have to charge him a damn thing. I sat him in front of that light for nothing. For zero. I mean, you're basically rehumanizing medicine uh, well, through. But that's Bitcoin. why you become a doctor. But that you yeah. know what? Every doctor, hopefully, that hears this story realizes 
that this is what doctoring is supposed to be like. It's supposed to be, let's try to do something to help somebody without, you know, a, a, an adverse event. And in this case, I think I may have gotten um, the gift here because now I'm very, very interested to see what other things I can do with eyeballs that we effectively can't treat or we operate on. Like my big issue right now is can I reverse cataracts with this? Mm. Uh, so I have a big idea in my head about how to run a trial utilizing this. And hopefully someday soon, I'm going to be able to fund that trial myself with my Bitcoin. Yeah, I heard you say on a podcast that one of the biggest hacks, health hacks, um, or like I call it not a hack, but a cheat code. If you know this, you're really well off is watch the sunrise every day. And this yep. whole notion that getting sun into, and, and the crazy thing is like our eyeballs are actually brain tissue. It's the only outward facing brain tissue in our body. It's Huberman. I heard Huberman say that and it blew my mind. And this whole idea that getting sun in your eyes in the morning, early in the day is what sets the rhythm for your body for the rest of the day. Sure. And it's like this cascading effect where so many people have terrible sleep because they're looking at screens. But I think a big part is like, they're not setting the rhythm at the start of the day because we spend so much time indoors. And like, how did, how, how does that affect the way that you help people in terms of like, is that a really strong point that you make sure they know? Cause it seems like sunlight fundamentally, it makes sense. Sun is it's the, the, number, it's the number source. one, but it's the number one health hack that I tell everybody. If you are able to see 80% of the sun rises the rest of your life, you'll be doing a good job staying away, away from guys like me who want a wallet bob to you. And here's the ultimate irony here. Do you realize the story I just told you about, Dave? It's actually one and the same. Why? Because when the sun rises in the morning, there is uh, the light that's dominant is red light. 43% of sunlight in the morning is red light. In fact, it's red light the whole way through all day, but it's really powerful at sunrise and sunset. So guess what? That's when you're getting a majority of the red light during the day. And you're absolutely right. It completely sets the circadian rhythm for everything in your body. Every cell. So, so yeah. So what I tell people, it's kind of like when you don't see the sunrise, it's equivalent to being in Home Depot uh, on a Tuesday and Thursday. Say Tuesday is when arrivals come. Thursday is when deliveries go out. When you don't see the sunrise, everything happens on Wednesday. Arrivals and deliveries come the same day and the place is chaos. We have a name for chaos in medicine. It's called inflammation. Mm -hmm. And that's fundamentally what happens when you don't see the sun rise, instead you see your iPhone 150 times a day, or you see Skype 150 times a day, or you're on your computer checking your emails, that color temperature of, of the screen is 5,750 Kelvin. The color temperature of AM light is 1,600 Kelvin. And the problem is people don't realize the difference. Like I'm sitting here talking to you right now, and I've got red lights on above me. I've got the windows open behind me to allow the sun to come in. Unfortunately, today is a cloudy day here, uh, but that's why you see the, the, the screen where we're, you and I are talking go dark and not because I'm using incandescent red lights above me to offset some of the stuff that's coming from the screen. Cool. And the thing is, it's morning time. I mean, it's 930 in the morning. So uh, I want to make sure that I can get as much natural light as I can because of the things that we're talking about, both circadian biology and optimizing human biology so that effectively me as an old guy don't need to go see somebody to get a wallet biopsy. Yeah, it makes a lot of sense. 
And I think when, you know, this whole notion that, okay, health comp, there's, there's nothing new. There's only old things we forgot. Most of our health disintegrates when we unplug from this decentralized health network that is nature. And, you know, this, the, there's such a big parallel with what we're seeing with our food supply chains. Um, you know, regenerative agriculture is something I'm very curious about. We have a little property, um, like three acre property. And I, want, I want to experiment with regenerative agriculture. How do you return the land, you know, it was previously farmed, uh, intensively farmed. And that's almost like the way we farm right now is like allopathic agriculture, where we just have to input a bunch of artificial shit just to keep things barely alive. Um, and this whole switch to regenerative agriculture really has a good parallel, I think, to regenerative health, which is really just about how do we reconnect our bodies with this normal rhythm and with this, like you said, decentralized health network where you're not supposed to get all your food from a factory. You're supposed to get your food from a variety of sources. Uh, yeah, so that you're, are making me, you're making me really happy now because see what, just in our little podcast here, you've already made, you made the connection. You're beginning to realize how Bitcoin helps medicine and then how medicine can actually lead to the huge changes in around the food problem. The food problem also is tied back to nature. Why? It's, it's linked back uh, through photosynthesis. What is photosynthesis? It is a decentralized network in nature. So here we are again, you know, everybody knows about the Bitcoin network, but very few people understand that photosynthesis and Bitcoin and the Bitcoin monetary network have a lot in common. Mm. Uh, and when you consider that the endpoint of the entire food web on earth is from the photosynthetic web, it's a really big deal. You made, you made, you made the jump, the quantum leap very easily. And I, I'm using quantum leap in the appropriate term here. Because quantum ties to light and photosynthesis is all about how light slows down and turns into mass. That mass is the food we eat. And food is really an electromagnetic barcode of how the sun goes around the planet. Because at every latitude, it's different. And when you actually think about that, hopefully, if you're a Bitcoiner and listening to this, you're going, dude, this sounds just like an algorithm that Satoshi did in the white paper. Because guess what? That's what it is. Yes. It's all, they all abide by these fundamental natural laws. Um, and it's like, you have to really, you have to have time to think of these things in order to see those patterns. And I think a lot of Bitcoiners are starting to understand multiple dimensions of life. Um, you know, the dimension of money, the dimension of health, the dimension of governance. Um, and this whole notion that centralized centralization is fragile. Decentralization is resilient. And we're not designed to be fragile. And I think it's this whole thing that we just need a bit of time to sort of be able to take care of ourselves. I think that's, the, you know, every time I try and help someone with their health, they're like, I just don't have time to do this. It's like, well, I have the same amount of time as you. What are you doing with your time? Do you realize what you're doing with your time? So I always get people to start with a time audit. And then also just kind of going through like, well, if we're all getting squeezed for our time more and more as time goes on what the fuck is the source of the time squeeze? And it's, it's, it all comes back to money. It all comes back to this notion that time is being stolen from us at all time if we're working on a fiat layer. And that's the biggest unknown. And the, the anger that people have to get over when they realize that seems to be a big obstacle. But when they do, they're like, well, shit, I have a lot more time on my hands now that I don't have to worry about my purchasing power melting away every single fucking day. And yeah, I think it's Bitcoin gives me hope. It's like one of the only things actually that gives me hope. And it's why I transitioned over from 
managing and, and kind of leading the health network to working in Bitcoin and talking to the, the smartest people on earth are working in Bitcoin, building out a Bitcoin future because they realize the potential of this thing to literally flip the world on its head into a better, into a better world. And, you know, maybe I'd like to do a thought experiment with you because I think from a, a standpoint of, okay, you have a, an understanding of medicine an understanding of health and understanding of Bitcoin, you're selected to build a health system with a team um, that will become a new standard in countries around the world from a zoomed out lens. What does that start to look, what does that look like? And the reason I ask this is in times where everything is simply broken and need, and we, we can't just do a little fix up. We can't do another permutation. We literally permit ourselves radical creativity because we live in radical times. So what is an actual, we don't have a health system. We have a sick system. What does a health system actually look like from a zoomed out lens? If you had the keys to creating a, a, pro, a health protocol, what would that be uh, at like a zoomed out, zoomed out layer? This is pretty easy. I've already actually done this thought experiment with my tribe. Okay. I called it a virtual private uh, hospital. And it turns out uh, the Bitcoin community has actually upgraded this idea. You know how we talk about citadels in, mm -hmm. in Bitcoin. Every person's citadel will be built uh, with an architecture in mind that optimizes us to the environment that we're in. And when you do that, your citadel obviously will be self-sustainable. You're going to use a regenerative agriculture. You're going to go back to a system that we used to have probably a thousand years ago, which was feudalism, but without the monarch, without the king, without authoritarianism, without somebody keeping the majority of people down. In other words, everybody's on the same plane and there's a lot of uh, sharing. In other words, you may have more cows. I may more have, have more vegetables. And the key is, as someone gets ill, uh, say, for example, and I'm going to use this, you'll understand it. Say you develop multiple sclerosis because you live at a high latitude. Then we're going to be able to take you from your citadel, move you down to El Salvador at 13 degrees latitude, keep you there for two, three years for you to get better. Then if you choose to go back to Canada, great. But if not, you say, okay, now I've learned that my citadel at the 47th latitude is no longer good for me. I need to do my citadel here. What do you do? The community up in Canada basically absorbs your citadel, pays you out in Bitcoin, and you're able to start a brand new citadel, just like a new tree starts to grow down in El Salvador. And you begin to live your life. And then your job to our community in part of these virtual private hospitals or citadels is for you to teach other people who come from Argentina, who come from Europe, who have MS and tell them what you did. In other words, it becomes a virtual private classroom of black swan mitochondriacs. In other words, I'm gonna teach you what you need to know about nature to keep your Ferrari humming beautifully. And the thing that's going to power this network is going to be the sun and circadian biology. But ultimately, the thing that underpins all of this to make it collectively work from the 50,000 foot level is the Bitcoin monetary network. Why? Because it's not going to cost you a lot of money for you to do this because we're all working off the same network. Very powerful. Yeah, I find the, you know, the biggest reason we got this little piece of property was because I find forests extremely inspiring in terms of the, um, 
the economy of a forest is brilliant. Like it's the, the most beautiful design, right? You have the mycelium, which is the base layer that allows sharing amongst individual organisms. And the mycelium is almost like the Bitcoin, right? Um, where it's the, this base layer of communication. The big trees that have more photosynthetic surface area share their nutrients with the small trees. Like everyone is in this economy of no one hoards resources. Nature doesn't hoard resources. It's this unnatural thing that humans have found a way to do through fiat. And so resources are shared. Uh, everyone, people in need of help, get the help. And it's like this, it's really a hive mind. And I think Bitcoin, you know, I had, I was talking to someone uh, last week who's a beekeeper and we were going through the social architecture of bees and this whole notion that there's a collective mindset. Everyone selflessly works for the benefit of the hive and it's individually, the bees are dumb, but collectively they develop this sense of intelligence where they act in the best interest of the hive. They selflessly protect the queen. I made this sort of analogy of the queen is like the protocol. The swarm is basically all working in their own best interest, which is for the colony to survive. But at the same time, in order to act in the interest of themselves, they have to act in the best interest of the colony. They are one and the same. And the whole notion that that is another form of collective emergent intelligence that abides by the natural laws of nature and also has a direct parallel to almost Bitcoin, where the foragers are the miners. They're getting the food to make sure this thing can still sustain itself. And there's so... It's just so cool how once you have time to really think about and observe nature, you end up seeing these recurring patterns where it's like, well, shit, there's not actually that many fundamental principles. They just appear and emerge differently. And if you can see the deeper layer of the principles, you're like, well, it kind of repeats everywhere. Well, it's, a, it, it's the yeah. thermodynamics of energy. Just remember the thermodynamics of energy there. And, you know, while you were talking about the bees, the thing I was thinking about was how the Japanese built their subway tunnels using uh, fungus, Fungi. you know, green yeah. slime. Yeah. And that's where they decided to put the subway tunnels because they realized that the fungus would direct the most energy efficient growth pattern. And what did they do? They didn't try to re-engineer it. They followed nature's lead. And that's exactly what a mycelium does. I look at it this way. I think that's actually what Bitcoin does too. If you really... Think about it. It is going to lead us to all the things that Swan Bitcoin put in that beautiful video. The problem is it's our job when we live our lives together to make that quantum leap in that framework. In other words, what part of that video are we going to do? Like, what mm -hmm. are you going to do? What am I going to do? You know my little part. My little part is to take doctors who are, are absolutely burnt out and miserable in allopathic medicine and pull them out. Why? Because I know that people like you, when you're on your regenerative farm, you may break your tibia, you know, one day falling off the roof, putting a new roof on it. And you may need somebody to take care of you. Uh, just as, you know, you could be an electrician and you may have dirty electricity in your house that's causing your multiple sclerosis or, or causing your ulcerative colitis. And we need to fix that. We need to have that hive mind. That is actually what the black swan mitochondriac mindset is. Once you understand the architecture, the decentralized architecture within the physics of organisms, you're able to apply it. And I, I say this all the time. Once you understand the thermodynamics of the monetary network and what it does, then you begin to make even better choices within that network and how the things you want to do, like you're far better, in my opinion, and I don't know you shit from Shinola, you're way better off 
doing what you're doing right now on the Bitcoin side than you are being a physical therapist. Why? Because you are going to take people through your process, have them understand Bitcoin. They are going to become lions to fix their own life. You are giving them the tools to fix these problems in their own life. They don't even know that the problem they're having at work can be solved until they understand Bitcoin. Hopefully people watch you know, this podcast we're doing and, and begin to realize that the problems that you think are insurmountable now, put them against slime, put them against Bitcoin and, and give it a chance and see what happens, see what's possible. Because ultimately, until you make that quantum leap, you are never going to understand when a maxi says in a clubhouse room or a Twitter spaces that Bitcoin fixes everything. Because I think we do Bitcoin uh, injustice when we say that. Our duty as people that plug into this monetary network is to teach people how it happens. Once people understand the how, dude, getting them to buy Bitcoin, I think becomes very easy. Yeah. And, they, and if they deeply understand the how and the why, they become immune to all of these psychological tricks that happen when the price, price fluctuates. Because they, you know, I think that the, one of the biggest things that I try and get across is health is a long game. Bitcoin is a long game. If you look at it from the short term, you get messed up and you get distracted by noise. The signal is the long-term understanding that this thing is works. It's perfect. And, you know, like people always talk about, well, shouldn't you diversify? It's like when you have a perfect tool, diversification becomes dilutive, not protective. Like we got to use new, we have a new tool. We need to start to use new mental models. And it doesn't, you know, we have to like shed the old things that apply to fiat well. Um, And it, you know, the people who don't understand Bitcoin and everyone, it's a process, right? Like I used to always try and get across too that health is not a destination. I think people view health as like, oh, I get there and it's great. I'm done. It's like, no, no, no. It's a process where every day you have to take some responsibility for your own well-being. And Bitcoin is also a process. It's a, you know, responsibility is built into Bitcoin. You have to understand it in order to safely self-custody it and reduce your risk. And the reality is we now have the world's most powerful shield. Everyone can access it. It's called encryption. It protects your time. No one can fuck with it. And, but it's your responsibility to learn how the shield works in order to wield it well, and also to explain the shield to other people so that they can wield it well. And together, we have a giant shield over all of us that no one can get to. And when the rich people get pissed that they're paying a lot more for Bitcoin, they can't come past the shield. It's like we have the world's best self-defense democratized to anyone available to everyone on planet Earth. It's a pretty special time to be alive, Jack. I, it's yeah. like pretty I, cool. Listen, while you, while you were talking, I, I, I mean, I think I got the name for this podcast that you can put out there. Sunrise is a time on it for hell, and so is Bitcoin. <laughs> Amazing. And that's the truth, because you know what? Yeah. They both act exactly the same way. And I mean, I, I don't know if, there, if you can distill this entire message down to this issue. I think when people fundamentally really understand this, I truly, this, these are the things that I love to get my tribe together when we talk about these issues. We're talking about these quantum leaps and how you change your life. Like when I have these meetings about Bitcoin, I do it with four physicians. And each physician, they're putting you know, their skin in the game. They're, they're sharing what they're doing in their life, what their problems are. And most of them, when they come here, they follow the mitochondrial science that I teach. But when I explain to them 
exactly how Bitcoin mimics sunrise. Uh, it truly, you know, the thing that you added to this, you've distilled it down. It is a time audit for health. It really, truly is. That's not hyperbole. It is absolutely spot on. And the thing is, I, we need to explode that. I, I look at that as the seed for what you're doing in Bitcoin and what I'm doing in medicine. And that seed, like if you look at the world as a seed, it looks incredibly destructive. You know, it explodes open and then this big tree comes. You're like, God, who wants to be a seed? But then when you think about it, now it's a 4,000-year-old tree in the boreal forest up in Canada, you know, that can do amazing things for the ecosystem for millennia. It can support life. Correct. And when it creates oxygen, it creates, you know, things that, things what mitochondria need, you begin to understand there is something else at play here. There is a bigger story and we're part of that fabric. And it turns out Bitcoin is a lot like that tree. Why? Instead of it giving us oxygen, the oxygen it gives us is economic value over space and time so that we can do things. So you can do a podcast. I can do a podcast. We can take an hour and a half out of our lives and discuss these things for other people to disseminate and say, hey, See if any of this fertilizer or this germination is good in your own life. Did we say something here that we could do and, and make your life better? Because guess what? Ultimately, what's in the Hippocratic Oath is to do exactly that for patients. And, and I always tell people, a really the best doctors, in my view, are the ones that get out of your way and let nature heal you. And I would tell you, I think that this podcast has done this both from the biologic side and the financial side and realize that health and wealth are fundamentally linked. You are right. You talked about your pillars and you said the, the, the number one pillar is the financial realm. I, I've written 35 blogs on my Patreon blog about Bitcoin. And guess what? The tie to almost every single one of those blogs is that health and wealth are fundamentally linked and people don't realize how they're linked. And until you understand that how, you're never going to understand how buying Bitcoin on exchange could actually lead to optimal mitochondrial health so that you never have to fall prey. You don't have to become the sausage in the sausage maker. Brilliant. Yeah. I, I, one of the lines that I wrote on my whiteboard after I listened to a podcast with you was that Bitcoin is time. Time is only valuable with health. And that was like, I stared at that for a while because if but you're... you know, I don't want to interrupt you, but you know okay. why I want to interrupt you? And, and I want you to really highlight this for future guests and for yourself. Think about Steve Jobs, 56 years old, billionaire. What good is all the billions? Because he's dead in a box because he never took care of his health. And I want you to really think about that because people don't realize what good is amassing massive wealth. Like there's certain people in Bitcoin that are amassing unbelievable amounts of wealth, but they're not doing anything with their health. So yeah. hopefully they listen to this and they take some of that money and they optimize for their health. It's not always about making, you know, billions and trillions of dollars. Yeah. If you want to do it, I'm cool with that, but just do me a favor, make sure you build your Citadel so that you're protecting your health better than Steve jobs did. Yeah. Yeah. Time is only valuable if you have your health and health is priceless, but can be achieved by reclaiming your time and prioritizing taking care of yourself.
Um, dude, this has been amazing. I'd like to finish with some rapid fire questions. So we'll go through these real quick. You can answer as long or short as you want, and then we'll wrap it up. Uh, first okay. one, what does it mean to you to be a Bitcoiner? What's your personal definition of what it means to be a Bitcoiner? Uh, being a Bitcoiner is how I've gained time and freedom back for me. And oh, cool. unfortunately, I gave up too much time and too much freedom the first 45 years of my life. I stole, no from, I stole from my kids. I stole from my wife. Uh, and I thought I was making a good trade because of my patients. And it turned out the things that I was giving to my patients weren't as good as they could have been. So better, better I lived a lie myself. I lived a lie myself. And yeah. you know what? From the fiat lie, I got Bitcoin wise. Amazing. And the cool thing is that Bitcoin gives you back your time and it pays you back in abundance. So you're, you know, this whole idea that you may have lost a good amount of your time and the time of your family from the fiat system. But this whole idea that once you adopt Bitcoin, you take a Bitcoin mindset to your life, you get repaid in time with the most generous return on investment ever. Well, um, not only that, but I also think the other thing I enjoy, truthfully, I enjoy like this podcast I'm doing with you. I have a sense that people are going to listen to this and this is going to change some people's lives. And ultimately, the reason I went into healthcare was really to help people. Mm -hmm. And I think Bitcoin really does help people, but it helps them in a way that's not just about wealth. It's, it has so many profound implications and you don't understand it until you truly plug into the network. And, you know, when I give talks and I speak about Bitcoin or do podcasts or I'm on Clubhouse, I try to pound this into the table. It's part of the fabric of what Bitcoin is to me. You ask me, what is Bitcoin to me? Bitcoin to me is allowing me to be the doctor that I always wanted to be. That's so powerful, dude. That gave me goosebumps because I know so many doctors that are literally, I know doctors that are getting cancer. I know doctors that are having the most significant health issues that they've, that they've ever had because they're getting crushed by the current system. And I think this whole notion that Bitcoin gives doctors back the freedom to act in the way that they went into medicine to act in the first place and they got kind of roped into this shitty game that is perceived to be the only game that's playable as a doctor. And so you must play. And now they have this rescue ladder that gets them off the carousel of craziness. And once they get it, you know, if, if a doctor is a node with a huge amount of touch points, right? If that node in the community, that health node becomes someone who understands Bitcoin and sees it as a, a sort of a foundational level of a uh, layer of health, that node will affect so many people, right? That oak tree will send so many seeds out so people can create their own oak trees. And I think the health professionals are a beautiful avenue to be able to have people access this knowledge. And there's a, there's a hurdle to overcome where it's like, no, no, I work in health. I don't care about money. It's like, well, no, 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 no. Money is what creates health, is what creates, is what permits someone to discover health. Um, last question. Who's your favorite person to hear talk about Bitcoin? Actually, probably now you. Oh, well, that's and the, an honor. And the, and the reason why is because I think you and I have tapped a different vein about Bitcoin. Just like people talk about tapping veins in gold. Mm -hmm. um, I think on the financial side of Bitcoin, I think it's Greg Foss because Greg Foss follows, you know, the, the credit default markets like I do. 
I've had him on. He's, he's a G. Right. And he, he really understands risk. And you have to realize, and I don't even think Foss realized this about me and him. He focuses on financial risk. I focus on biologic risk. So the reason why he's a brother from another mother for me is because we see the world through the same lenses, through the risk lenses. Yep. But I personally think just sitting here and talking to you, because I had actually tears in my eyes at one point in this, that I think this is the message that people need to get about how Bitcoin can change things. Because a lot of times you hear people on podcasts talk about how it's going to change everything. But you know what? They don't spend an hour and a half in their podcast to tell people how. Right. And I think you and I... It makes it concrete for people. Yeah, I think you and I may have just hit that vein of gold. And that vein of gold in this, this podcast is a vein of Bitcoin. It's not really of gold. I use the vein of gold because... It's a good analogy. It's not a great analogy for Bitcoin, but most people know that gold is a dying thermodynamic network where, where Bitcoin is really like the slime that was used in the Japanese you know, subway uh, analogy. And I really want people to know that you can use this to change many things in your life that right now aren't good. And I hope people hear this message. And I hope you keep resonating this message with everybody you bring on, because I guarantee you, you're going to see a variety of different people who have different mindsets going into this and look at it from different ways. But I think what you kind of tapped in, to, in this one gets to the crux of the issue, because guess what? And this, this is going to be, it's, it's, I give you the credit here because you got me to realize something. I've told people time is only valuable when you have health, but guess what? Wealth is only valuable when you have time. And yes. that to me is the distillation of our hour and a half together. Why? That needs to be the touch point for everybody. When they hear that statement, that is a statement that is a declarative sentence that cuts to the core of the issue. And when you understand that, you begin to live your life by, by those principles. And maybe it'll cause you to change your values. The things that you value now, when you understand this, guess what? Not only will you be doing the help on the financial side, but this is going to get people to realize that their health is a lot more important than even their Bitcoin is. Because without your health, your Bitcoin really doesn't help you. Yeah, And that that's that's the you know, the architecture or the hierarchy that we're talking about, I'm still always going to tell people. And I think the thing that separates me and the Bitcoin community from everybody else is I happen to know how to give people time back. Bitcoin helps you utilize that time. And they walk hand in hand. And I think if you only understand Bitcoin from the time perspective without getting the health perspective, you are subject to be maybe becoming Steve Jobs and I don't want to see any Bitcoiner ever become Steve Jobs. I want to make sure that you live past 56, that you live to see your grandchildren, that you live to build this regenerative farm, wherever it is that you're going to do it, and that you're also going to fertilize all the, the neocortexes that you're going to touch with your podcast for the next 15 or 20 years. Because you're doing, as far as I'm concerned, you're a digital surgeon. 
You are a digital surgeon with your podcast. Why? You're able to put thoughts and ideas in people's heads, just like I'm able to try to protect their thoughts in their heads when I do brain surgery to make sure I don't damage that quantum computer inside their skull. You and I fundamentally have the same job. The way in which we do the job is different. And hopefully people can listen to this podcast that you and I did and begin to understand that that perspective that I just gave you isn't hyperbole. It's absolute fact. Beautiful. I think that's a good place to end it. And I would say that I'm doing this for selfish reasons because I want to learn from the smartest people on planet earth. Like the fact that someone like yourself, who's a busy human has projects is willing and generous enough to donate 90 minutes of his day um, to just have a conversation is I think testament to the fact that Bitcoiners have time. Bitcoiners are generous. Bitcoiners care about creating a Bitcoin world together. And so I'm kind of getting, I get so many diverse perspectives in my my main work is actually just trying to understand, okay, well, how can I connect these dots? How can I connect what Greg Foss says from the financial risk and credit default swap world and extract some, some kind of pillars and principles and then blend that with what Jack says about health and blend that with what someone else says about how, how the, their industry works. And it's such a beautiful thing. And I'm, I'm really excited to continue. I'm excited to have another conversation down the road because one of our shows uh, is going to be Bitcoin fixes this dot, dot, dot. And we're going to pick, I already have like 35 topics where different elements where we can, like you said, go into that and be more concrete with that specific realm and really go through like, how does Bitcoin actually fix human rights? Well, I'm going to have a conversation with Gladstein to talk about this is on the ground reality of how this is doing it in real time. Not like, not theoretically, in actuality, this is happening right now. And, um, Jack, I'm so grateful for your time. Thank you for joining us at the STOA. If people want to find you, uh, where can they find more? If people want to become black swan mitochondriacs, there's physicians out there who want more Jack, uh, where do they get that? Yeah, you can, you can become a member of my tribe at info at cruise at destin.com. If you're interested in my writings, I write about both quantum uh, biology and uh, Bitcoin at my Patreon blog. That's uh, patreon.com backslash Dr. Jack Cruz. If you find Dr. Jack Cruz, I'm on Instagram, LinkedIn. LinkedIn, I've got hundreds of articles for free. I have a website, jackcruz.com. On that form, you'll spend 10 years reading. Uh, I have all different topics covering all different aspects of health. So I'm there. And if you're not a reader, if you like uh, videos and format like that, I've done a lot of podcasts, probably over a thousand podcasts. Uh, They're on YouTube, Vimeo. But I did a new project starting last year with uh, one of my members called Quantum Health TV. You can sign up for there. And there I actually get into the deep weeds of actually how quantum biology works at your mitochondrial level. And believe it or not, I've actually done a couple on Bitcoin there too that are, are I would tell you, very rudimentary compared to what you and I talked about today. But People need that though. That's where yeah. people start. Yeah. And I, I would just tell you that I think that um, I've become a little bit more cognizant that the video platform for people, especially when it comes to deep science, actually helps them out. I'm a big believer in you know what I write because I write extensively, uh, but I'm, I'm finding out as, as I get older and older that not everybody likes to read like I do. So the, the video side of things actually improves things. And I'm, I'm pretty active on Twitter. I'm a very a vocal person on Twitter, um, but you can find me pretty much anywhere. Thank you for being the black swan doctor that's going to help to change medicine because it really is, this is a big paradigm shift for people that are in medicine. And it's a big 
sense of hope, I think. So to everyone listening, thanks for being here. If you enjoyed the conversation, you can support the project by sending some stats to the bitcoinstoa.com, the QR code that's on the homepage. Uh, Wishing you all a wonderful rest of your day and ciao for now.